Welcome to the Need More Buffs podcast, the unofficial Light Seekers podcast sponsored by DeliveryCrab.com. DeliveryCrab.com, your number one source for Light Seekers cards and three points of healing. Welcome back, Seekers, to episode 57 of Need More Buffs. I'm your host, Matt Sonnenberg. Once again, we have a ton of things going on this week. Online tournaments, offline tournaments, new prizes, new play mats, all sorts of things. So much news going on. It's going to be amazing. In any case, it is a great time to be a fan of Light Seekers. It is a great time to be picking up the game for the first time or for the hundredth time. So I hope you are all enjoying it and I hope you enjoy the future that the Light Seekers has in store for us all. As always, I want to note a few of the upcoming events that are going on, especially on the Delivery Crab side of things. This weekend, we have our physical tournament in New Jersey. This is in Mount Laurel, New Jersey, the same place we have for the past couple of events there. This is on February 23rd, so that's this Saturday. February 23rd in Mount Laurel, New Jersey. I hope to see you there. It's going to be a good time. But because we are having our physical tournament this weekend, that actually means that we will not be having an online tournament this weekend. Well, this is a, it, typically going to be a weekly event online. The, the only exception is the weekends that we have our physical tournament. We want to make sure we focus on the physical tournament on those weekends. And I don't want there to be any conflicting schedules for anybody who who may want to play in both physical and digital events with that being said we should have out a full schedule of both online and offline events coming up for the next few months Uh, that'll be up on the website as usual you can find all that information at deliverycrab.com slash tournaments that's deliverycrab.com slash tournaments there you'll have all our upcoming events that we have scheduled currently we'll be adding to that as soon as possible but everything that we have planned so far you'll be able to find there that'll have links on how to sign up what you need to do to sign up all the steps you need to take i i know it may seem a little too much maybe for some of the online tournaments and such but a lot of it's just a one-time setup type of thing and you'll be good to go after that so uh hopefully As we get down the road and things expand and uh, maybe we'll get some updated apps and such from Lightseekers that we'll be able to come up with a more compact system. We won't have to use quite as many services, but for the time being, that's how it's going to work. So just be sure to head over to deliverycrab.com slash tournaments and you'll have all the information you need over there. On the show this week, we have another returning guest, and by returning guest, I mean you just heard him last week, but that's what happens when you keep on winning tournaments. Uh, Nuon, aka Dark Catcher, he was on last week, he won the gold event down in Chicago, and he also now won the gold event in New Jersey, and thankfully for this show he won the second event with using a different deck so that means we are able to have something to talk to you about instead of just rehashing the same deck over and over and over again as always the show notes for this episode can be found at deliverycrab.com slash zero five seven that's deliverycrab.com slash zero five seven so i don't have too much more to talk about right now 
So let's jump right into the interview with Nuon. And we are bringing him back now for a third time <laughs> in a very short span of time. I we first heard from him back in episode 51 when he hadn't even won a tournament at that point. He just impressed me enough with the decks that he was building that I wanted to bring him on the show to show people what could be done with some of these cross-order heroes. But then a few weeks later, he goes and wins a tournament. So we have him on the show again in episode 55. And now here he is back just one week later in episode 56. <laughs> and Nuon, you keep doing it. <laughs> I mean, at this point, I'm just doing it to talk to you now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, lovely, lovely. I, can't, I, I won't complain about that. <laughs> so... Nuant, you have been on here now three times, three different decks. Uh, two of them are winners and winners in these big gold events. You know, the events that are going to win you all the points to get you, hopefully, what you're hoping, I'm assuming, that trip over to the UK. Mm-hmm. It's what I'm going for, hopefully. <laughs> well, you are definitely on a good track. We'll see if you can pull off another win in Austin, I guess is your next chance there. So we'll see, we'll see what becomes of that, but Mm -hmm. all right, tonight we are going to talk about actually not a cross order hero that we've talked about the last few times you have now. Yeah. Branching out and showing us that it can be done with a more basic hero. And it's not even a rare hero. It's an uncommon hero. (laughs) And, 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 most people would look at this and say, what am I supposed to do with that ability? Mm. So for those of you who haven't looked ahead, we are talking about this Blaze Brute Zoc deck, and his only ability is to carry one additional point of items. So if you're very new to the game, you may not even touched on items yet, but items are, of course, those cards that allow you to cross over into other elements without the use of a cross or a hero. And kind of splash in other elements, splash in other colors of cards that you might want to use in any given deck. So the ability to carry one additional point means that, by definition, any hero, unless it says otherwise, can only carry two points of items. So carrying one additional allows you to carry three points of items. And, Nuan, my first question for you is... When you saw this can carry one additional point of items, mm-hmm. did you first go to, oh, now I can carry an item that weighs two and an item that weighs one? Or did you instantly go to three one-point items? I think I instantly went to three one-point items. Okay. And, and it, uh, it looks like that's kind of how it stuck around, too. Oh, yeah. I think a big thing that I was doing with my my multi-order heroes is I would run three items, and then at opportune moments, I would have to discard one and then put another one in. Sure. And this just gave me that extra bit of versatility where I wouldn't have to do that. Um, I'm actually running four items in here, so I guess I could have done that. (laughs) Yes, you could. (laughs) Yeah. There there are actually four items for four different elements. It's not even just like a backup plan should something go wrong with one of these items. Yeah. It's four completely different items. Yeah. I figured 
so I, I guess before we really dive down into the deck, there's not a lot of actual use of the element axis apart from explosives. Uh, <laughs> so if someone were to crushing blow me or battleborn oppressor me, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. And if I I did need that item for whatever utility I was actually keeping it in, I have ways of getting them back from my graveyard. So the deck the deck does its best to keep three items on the field as fast as possible. Yeah, for one very specific reason that that we'll get into very shortly because it's <laughs> it's something I I wanted to do ever since I first saw that card come out but have never taken the time to actually build the deck that can do it. And I think this is that deck. This is that deck that I wanted to build <laughs> but well one personally I just don't think my deck building skills are up to par yet. But two, I just haven't taken the time to do. So you should try it. Yeah. I, I I should. I really should. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing when when you look at this deck list, you mm-hmm. will see that if you have the cards laid out in front of you, it's it, it's instantly noticeable that you have a red item and no <laughs> red cards. You have a green item and no green cards. Mm-hmm. And it, like, granted, those items by themselves have some pretty powerful abilities mm-hmm. but it, it, it's it's not every day with the exception of crystal core yeah. it's not every day that you see people put that item in there purely for the item's ability mm-hmm. so why don't you kind of walk me through this deck and let me into that mind let me know what you were thinking when you put this together okay so um Diving back sort of into the the first gold tournament that I played, and I played Grand Ar- Architect Halvar. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if you were aware of this, but I wanted to to get back home as soon as possible. So I booked my flight to Chicago to land early morning, and mm-hmm. then I booked a flight in the middle of the night to go back to New York to be home by Sunday morning. <laughs> um, All right. So I was, I was literally up for like 30 hours. So it was really. That explains <laughs> really, all the monster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that was like my record for monsters consumed in a day. <laughs> <laughs> so I, after the tournament, we hung out a little bit and then I went straight to the airport. And for whatever reason, security wouldn't let me go through the check in until like four o'clock in the morning. Interesting. So, so I had four hours to kill, and I was just sitting in the airport lobby with four boxes of of Kindred that I, I won at the tournament. So I just started opening packs, and then I came across I came across a hero, Blaze Brood Zok. It was the first time I've seen him physically, and I looked at the effect. I thought about it for a little while, and I just said, "Next tournament, I have to run it. This it's going to happen." I had no real concept of what that deck was going to look like at the point uh, at that point, but I just knew it was going to be Blaze Brood Zok for my next hero. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, and at that point, I had maybe two weeks to prepare for the yeah, yeah. gold tournament. Yeah. So I just I tweaked around a little bit. So I had a good sense of just items that I'm comfortable with. Crystal Core, of course, it it literally goes in every single deck that I make, even if it doesn't make sense for it to be in there. <laughs> I just like I said, it's that one item that people <laughs> just throw in because of its ability. Yeah, it's a, it even. I'm pretty sure that for the whole tournament in Jersey, no one popped the Crystal Core, so I could have just not had it. But I just I love it, so I, I keep it in my. <laughs> really, if you if you think about my my deck building, I only have 29 spots for action buffs because Crystal Core is going in it. Sure. Yeah. So then, 
Dusk Glade Tome I was pretty comfortable with. I played it before in a tournament. It was actually in the Magrock deck that I um, I first did an interview with. Really, really good utility. The heal comes in handy when you, you draw once per turn. It's just, it's a good card overall. Definitely recommend it. Fluxmo. So this is, this is, I think, the most interesting of the choices of the items. Generally don't use Fluxmo's effect unless it, unless I draw a blacksmith in my opening hand. Okay. So just to sort of like paint you a picture of the piloting, if you have a blacksmith in your hand, you go for first, you only have four cards, your opponent has nothing in the discard pile, you a blacksmith into Fluxmo, immediately use Fluxmo's effect to get blacksmith back. So you get two items for one blacksmith, and then you don't have to give your opponent a card in their discard pile. So beautiful. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> it's awesome. There's also a little a little tech. I, I, I was actually expecting a little bit more Selene, um, especially sure. infinite damage. Selene, there was one deck that was there in New Jersey. I didn't actually get to play it. But what I like to do in the app is if somebody is pitching their infinite damage combos into the graveyard with Selene's effect, I just yep. add it back to their hand with Fluximo. Um <laughs> <laughs> I, I hadn't even thought about that, but yeah, that that's a great way to kind of interfere with that. Yeah, it's super fun. Eventually, you can't keep doing it because it's just going to result in them having a lot of cards in their hand, and that's not good either. Sure. But for a couple of turns until you build up your hand, it's pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I can see and, that. That. yeah. and then the last item, Nitro Hammer. For one, when you're... I wanted this deck to play well against all different types of deck archetypes. So you have like your control, your mid range, your aggro. So when you're playing a control deck, you wanna you wanna make sure you keep your resources in handy for the game. So a lot of the time, I would just instead of attacking, I would build up my hand and just I would nitro hammer for bits and, and bits and dings. And then if I hit for nitro hammer like four times, they're gonna have to waste a heal card. Sure. So it's it's sort of like anti control in, in the way that. Your a control deck wants you to to deal damage, so you waste all your damage cards and they heal up. I'll deal damage, so they waste all their heal cards and then I can damage up. Makes sense, yeah. Yeah. So Nitro Hammer is really, really good utility. It's the one item I use in the main deck with actual cards to get access to. So I do run two crazed bombers in the in the main deck. Huh? So Nitro Hammer is important. If someone gets ri- rid of it, like I said, there's Lunar Shriekers and there's a uh, Chimchu Infiltrator that can get that Nitro Hammer back for me if I really needed it. I prefer not to use it on that. Like you said, there's a uh, a chump card in the deck that it's it's much better to get from your graveyard. But if I have to, I, I'll definitely resort to uh, getting that Nitro Hammer back. Yeah. Okay, so now we know that I'm trying to get the, the most use out of Blaze Brood Zox effect. So because I have three points of items, I take a lot of advantage of this card called Umbran Salvager. Yes. <laughs> so basically his effect is deal two damage, increase that by two for every item that you have. So I'm I'm pretty sure I've I've gone through all of the cards in the database by now. And without any additional like buffs on the field or anything like that, it is your highest damage output of all cards and it's unaligned, so you can use it really in any deck. So Umbran Salvager with three items on the field does eight points of damage. Yeah. And it's just, it's people are just bewildered by how quickly their life goes down with this. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, eight points at a time, like that, that's the damage for some combo cards, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like there are combo cards that do, well, there are some that do six points of damage and then have some utility effect attached to it. And there's some that do eight points of damage and some utility effect. So, I mean, getting eight points of damage often instantly off an attack card. Yeah. There are some like buffs you might put out there that on the fourth corner, they'll hit for 10 or something, Mm -hmm. but you, you have to put it out there, hope it doesn't get removed for four turns and then it might hit for 10. Yeah. But oh. this is just like eight and then next <laughs> turn repeat it. Eight. Next turn repeat it eight. Yeah. And I am I, I have to imagine, I as you already demonstrated once with the blacksmith, that these salvagers aren't something you just use once. No, no, absolutely not. Yeah. And it's great because the way that I pilot this deck, I tend to to draw a lot even if I'm taking a bunch of damage and then have a bunch of salvagers in my hand and then I will hit a salvager and then I'll lunar shrieker it right away and I'll just keep hitting with the salvager until someone just feels like the the worst is over and they let their guard down and then I just <laughs> go for the other salvagers. Yes. Yeah. It's pretty fantastic. I love this deck, by the way. I don't know if you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't. I mean, I love this deck. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's just, it, it's one of those that almost feels too simple, mm-hmm. like, but it really does work. And I think it's, it, it's really smart the way you do pilot it because, like you said, some people, when they build it, like, th- that's one thing I'm guessing. If I tried to build this deck, that, I would get so far as, okay, I got the three items out. I got salvagers down. I used three salvagers. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm back to five damage and six damage from these other dinky little cards. And like, okay, we'll try to finish them off. But no, no, you found ways around this. You found ways not only to speed the deck up, but then to get these salvagers back time and time again and keep the damage coming. Yeah, it's it's great. I um. I think when you look at Astral in general, you I guess you put the card down, someone sees that you're you're playing Astral, they just assume the the worst is over if you get hit for for 12 or 16 with the combo mm-hmm. and they don't expect these huge huge blows from your action cards in Astral because it's usually just support until you get to that final swing. Yeah. This deck just plays well uh with a like a really big su- surprise element because you don't really know what's coming next. Yeah, definitely. Also, because I have access to four items, my sideboard can really support pretty much anything. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't think of that, but yeah, that gives you options. Yeah, which is awesome. So in in Chicago when I was playing Halvar, I ran into this Arkmoth deck where it had a... um, a treetop tribunal and regardless of how much crazed bombers I had or buff removal that I had, you can't get rid of a card like that. So I had to really think about like what I would do if I ran into a similar scenario. Uh, so for one astral just has like a good amount of like item hate or just like hate for specific cards in your hand, like blinding beetle, for instance, which I run two of and Starforge warrior, which makes um, items dormant. So yep. If I happen to get sixteen, uh, get hit for sixteen with Tree Chop Tribunal, I know that I wouldn't get hit for that additional six for a sixteen for a Mimicking Horror because I have a Starforge Warrior down. So prepared for elements like that, but also because I have access to Fluximo, I can put in a Warp Toad and return buffs if I really needed to, or return my Spectral Guides to just give me an extra two cards if I if I wanted to do something similar. It's just 
your sideboard, I actually, I, I probably didn't take full advantage of, of how much access I had across the board, but it's all, it's very open. <laughs> yeah. At the same time, as I know we've discussed before, like, just because you you have those options doesn't mean you should use them, right? Yeah. Because the way this is set up where, okay, it's based on Astral, so that's the bulk of your cards, and then there's a bunch of unaligned stuff. So you can play that at any time. Whereas, yeah, if you do side in some of some forest cards, perhaps with the Dusk Light Tome, right? Yeah. You start siding those in, all of a sudden that item becomes that much more important. Mm-hmm. And well, your opponent, you know, in game two, game three, if they didn't see any of those cards in game one, mm-hmm. might not be expecting it to be important. Yeah. Like it does kind of put you in that different frame of mind. It's like, I really got to protect this item. Yeah, uh, I've been back and forth with it. By the way, I apart from an aggro matchup, I didn't side at all for this gold event. I think because of how quickly I can get things back from my graveyard with that Chimchu Infiltrator and the Lunar Shriekers, I wasn't really worried about um, items being discarded. And sure. um, whenever I, I side for an element that I don't have access to, I'll never put more than one in. So if I had one dead card in the in the whole deck... It was. I think it was fast enough that I didn't really have to worry about it. So I, I just, I liked having that sort of access. I didn't use it, but it just, it kept the deck open for me. Yeah. I think the one thing that I would change, because I, even though it did so well, even though I was happy with the way I ran and the way I was able to pilot it, just something about it, I'm not a hundred percent on, and I've been tweaking it. Um, a little bit since okay so i would i would probably take out a couple of cards and then and make it a little more optimal and i guess now that everyone has this list um <laughs> they, can, they can do the same it it's definitely it, it's a fun play yeah i would imagine so i personally haven't gotten to play around with it myself yet but i'll i'll find some time to sit down with it and okay. and see what i can do with it because yeah it, it's like I said it's something that I wanted to do ever since I saw that salvager card. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, they obviously put this in here because of these heroes that can carry those additional items. Like okay. they, any old hero could do six damage with it, but mm-hmm. it's not really worth it when there's just cards that do six damage, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like it's making it harder for you to do six damage because you need to have two items out. Mm-hmm. But when it can get that extra little burst, Kind of like we're, I mean, I, I know you didn't use it much in your Halvar deck, mm-hmm. but that extra little burst, if you ever do hit it, mm-hmm. it's, it, it's just just enough that you yeah. really want to use it. So, Oh, yeah. Speaking of that, like, extra little burst, so, like, Halvar, it put my, my average lethal range probably around 12. Sure. Um, so if they had 12, 12 life left, they, they should worry, I guess, or try to, to do something defensively. With this deck, the average kill range is about 14 or 15 and <laughs> it sounds like it's not that big of a swing but a lot of people oh, don't it is it is at 15 <laughs> yeah against the majority of decks like in my mind astral's always been the, the, the one outlier because of uh solar wind mm-hmm. that ha- had the potential to do 16 and then actually for a while 18 mm-hmm. but it's not something you have to worry about in an average match yeah. Right. You know, typically uh, when you're 15 or above, you're okay for two turns. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, I mean, if you're sitting here saying, you know, on average, I can take you down from that. That's a scary thought. Yeah. 
when you think about it, that's almost half your life. Yeah. And you have to start worrying about that kind of stuff. So in turn, yeah. Yeah. It definitely changes things. Yeah, definitely. I think in at least two games of matches, I I won by playing Sunstrike, getting an additional action, and then hitting for eight. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So 14 damage just right off the bat. Uh, 15 damage, actually, sorry. Yep. Um, and it just it, it kills you. And then there are just so many other ways where you can do that, that same sort of feeling, even without combos, like Creeble Raid Party. It'll hit for seven. Um, I usually have a lot of unaligned cards left over just because more than half the deck is unaligned. <laughs> it just, it's regardless of sort of how you'd, you'd feel like you should play this deck. Like if you want to play conservatively and just draw until you have cards, or if you want to just go all out and every time you, you have a card you can play, you just play it. I think um, it's easy to navigate and it, it, it works well. Something I, I see in this deck that I, I, really haven't seen much if at all before in at least a competitive deck is the three blacksmiths <laughs> yeah I, I, I mean early on i remember when everybody was first discovering the blacksmith mm-hmm. it's like oh it's such a great card it, it's an automatic three of yeah but then people soon found out you know well you balance blacksmiths with how many weapons you have in the deck you know, it, it could be a you know either one and two or two and one thing, maybe two and two, but you never really saw more than two blacksmiths in a deck. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden you're sitting here with three. And I understand, obviously, you have four items in the deck. Mm-hmm. You have your salvager that relies heavily on the items, which is a huge component to your damage output. Mm-hmm. But other than for consistency, I mean. Have you ever actually played all three blacksmiths, or are they just so you there so you can get to them quicker? I think I play them all three almost every game. Okay. So especially because you're running four items and one of them happens to be a crystal core, I tend to switch items on and off and put them in my discard pile and then um, use a utility for a different item if I need to. So we mentioned before, so Nitro Hammer is probably the most important item in the in the deck because it gives me access to craze bombers yes so i tend to put all of my items out onto the field first except for nitro hammer (laughs) um (laughs) and then only play that nitro hammer when i need to do some type of buff removal so blacksmith lets me put it onto the field without wasting an action and then go straight for that craze bomber and then also just having a spare blacksmith in your hand even if it's just a a dead card for a while isn't so bad with crystal core just because if somebody manages to pop your crystal core you could just bring it right back yeah yeah that that's a big use of that too i'm sure and i i mean i can even see it if you're just sitting there at the end of the game and like said you got that creeple raid party in there Mm -hmm. that's something you can discard yeah as long as you know it's it's definitely going to be lethal you don't mind throwing that away so exactly you definitely have options. I mean, like I said, I can see a use for it in this deck mm-hmm. because items abound and they, they are, you made them integral to the deck in more ways than one. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of crazy to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been getting so much feedback from it. Most of it positive. Um, <laughs> sometimes I, I get, I get random messages on Facebook just like, Hey, that deck's stupid, but congratulations. <laughs> 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 they're just 
a little upset because they just got beat by it. But <laughs> that, that's that's the, basically a compliment. I'm I, you have it. to admit it's a compliment. Yeah, I do. Like I said, I do think this is not the greatest version of the deck that that could be out there. Like I think there's a lot of cards that are suboptimal. There's a lot of interactions in the deck that would be more optimal if I had different cards in the deck. Mm-hmm. Just to sort of like give everyone like homework, I would definitely take out Skyward Observatory. It's fantastic. Okay. It's a great card. I've I won games with it. I don't think it's necessary. So I think there are plenty of other things you can do with that one space. So if if you want to draw more, put a card that draws in. If you want to deal more damage, put a damage card in. It just depends on on what you think the deck is missing. Yeah, um, that's that's one thing that I would probably drop immediately. Some other things too, I guess open challenge to everybody just play around with it have some fun i like it yeah i did notice since the list was out that there's been a a a surge of three point heroes (laughs) 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 so not slave group but like the the green guy whose name starts with an f and then yeah uh, fraxness yeah yeah that's interesting because i think i told you this when we were at the tournament Mm-hmm. But, you know, our friend Scott, or if you know him in the app as Ezekiel, mm-hmm. he had asked me the morning of the tournament if I had been seeing many of those, you know, one additional point of item heroes. Mm-hmm. I'm like, actually, no, I haven't seen anyone actually playing with them, you know, casual, ranked, anything. Mm-hmm. And then we get there and you show me who you're playing with. And I'm like, well, <laughs> there's a first. There's one. <laughs> <laughs> and then, I mean cherry on top of the cake like you you go and win the entire thing with it (laughs) which kind of yeah i think it speaks to my point even more that nobody was using them but you made such an impact with it in such a short amount of time Mm -hmm. and i mean then you go and tell me now that you only prepped this list for two weeks i mean it makes it all the more impressive (laughs) but like you're saying i think that's why you you have uh, adjustments that you can make, things mm-hmm. you can do to make it better. I mean, you didn't spend as much time with it as you did with Halvar, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I probably spent like a month and a half prepping that Halvar deck. Sure. And so, I mean, you, you put that much time into this deck, and yeah, it can you can take it to another level yet. Hopefully. But as it is, it's it's still very good, and I do look forward to seeing what people can do with it. Yeah, I, I, I want to see more of it. I don't know whether or not it's going to be my ideal choice for Austin, uh, <laughs> the, the next one coming up, especially now that everyone knows exactly how I pilot it and what's going to be in it. Sure. Honestly, I applaud you for that, too. I mean, it, it's it's not an easy thing to do, especially when these tournaments have been relatively close together, you know, mm-hmm. two weeks apart, that you're not only switching heroes, but switching decks completely mm-hmm. and still finding ways to win. And so... I definitely applaud you for taking the initiative to say, yeah, I'm I'm not going to play this deck again next time. Mm-hmm. Thank but, you. Uh, yeah, whatever the results are, you you live with them. But yeah, somebody made a comment on the Facebook group about the community having to choose my next deck. Um, <laughs> they thought it wasn't, I guess, fair that I've won two so far. So I didn't accept it directly, but I I did say that. After after Austin, if I make the top four, um, the next deck that I play, I will post all of my five different hero options for the different orders, and I'll let everybody choose. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so let's see what happens with that. 
All right. Well, Nuan, once again, congratulations. Thank you. You have been doing a fantastic job. I mean, not only winning these tournaments, obviously, but being a, a fantastic member of, of the community, helping people out, being willing to talk about your deck, being willing to help people out whenever they want it. So it's great to see that we've attracted players of your caliber and, and people like you who are willing to help out. So Thank you. Uh, It's a great game. I, I, I love being a part of this community. Awesome. That That's what we need. That's what we're looking for. So keep up the good work, and hopefully, I mean, It'd be nice to talk to other people too, but <laughs> I don't mind talking to you. So right. good luck in Austin. Thank you. And hopefully we'll get to talk to you again soon. Yeah, definitely. And that wraps up our interview for episode 57. Now I know you're listening to this and it's after the Austin tournament and we all know that Nuon didn't actually win that tournament, but this was recorded ahead of time. So even though he didn't win... He did make the top cut, so he did perform quite well. So congratulations again, Nuon, for your two victories and your top four finish at Austin. As you can see, we are now on a weekly schedule again here at Need More Buffs. And next week, if all goes according to plan, we will have a kind of big surprise for you. I don't know if we'll spoil it ahead of time or make you wait for the actual episode. But let's just say... I think next week is going to be pretty exciting. As always, the show notes for this episode can be found at deliverycrab.com slash 057. That's deliverycrab.com slash 057. I hope to see a bunch of you in New Jersey this weekend, but until that time comes, I got some more deliveries to make.